0: The reading is from Genesis 1, starting at verse 14. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years, and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, Let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth, across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea, and every living thing with which the water teems, and that moves about in it, according to their kinds, and every winged bird, according to its kind. And God saw That it was good. God blessed them and said be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth until there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground and the wild animals each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Liz. And thank you, Brian, for your introduction and welcome, and it's a joy for this Methodist preacher to be here with you today, one of Mr. Wesley's preachers. I don't know back quite that far. (laughs) So let's pray. God of grace, in the midst of engaging with the word and the words, may we hear your voice. Help us to glimpse your creative, transforming love for us and for all things as we reflect upon this text. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now, our noses are being held very firmly in this first chapter of Genesis. If I may say so, a little unusual in British churches, but That's fine. And interesting for preachers who've not been here for a while. So I'm grateful because I was here on the 7th of January when uh, Simon preached and started the series. Uh, I was grateful to Brian for the sight of his sermon. And now we embark on the third of this series, looking at day four, five, and the beginning of six. So let's start going. In the beginning, God. Now, forgive me for starting here, because actually, unless we are clear about that, then the rest of the chapter, actually, the rest of the book, makes no sense whatsoever. The whole book is a declaration and truth of a God who brought all things into being. In the beginning, God brought all things into being. A truth which is conveyed in this magisterial poetic language of this passage from verse 1 of chapter 1 to verse 4 of chapter 2. There's a, it's a rhythmic hymn, you know this, unfolding from chaos to cosmos and the development of all life. It's something, actually, that we know right throughout Scripture. So if we go to Revelation, and chapter 4 and verse 11, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. And by your will they existed and were created. Or or go to John's Gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God and all things were brought into being by him. We see the connection between the incarnation, the coming of Jesus, and the creation of all things that exist. For God declares that God in Christ comes to tabernacle, to encamp, to pitch his tent amongst humanity. And for that reason, when we think about creation we're also connected to redemption and the notion that actually God in Christ can bring about the salvation of all that is and all people who turn to him why? because he brought all things into being we see the same truth in Colossians 1.16 and Genesis, in Hebrews 1 to two. so back to Genesis this chapter these passages they assume the interrelationship of the days and you've already noticed it days 1 to 3 about the creation of the habitat and days 3 to 6 4 to 6 the vegetation, the animals and human beings and each day building on the previous one Revealing interdependence and integration of all beings in the cosmos. Now, why is that? Well, God reveals Himself through the Scriptures as Father and Son and Holy Spirit. God in community, interdependence what theologians call perichoresis, that sense of intermingling, mutual interaction, a sharing of the persons of the Trinity. Each person of the Trinity shares in the life of the other, and together they form a community of being. So it's not at all surprising that our whole Vegetation, animals, the whole cosmos has that sense of community and interdependence. And when the planet is damaged in one part, all of us suffer. So the impact of climate change is a significant indicator of the complexity of creation all woven together. When the climate Heat unusually, when species become extinct or are significantly reduced, the consequences of a massive reduction have implications right around the planet. Take, for instance, bees. How we depend upon bees if you're a gardener. And how pesticides are affecting them. It's a really good example. Or, in October 2018, the World Wildlife Fund published a report indicating that humanity, get this, humanity has wiped out 60% of mammals, birds, fish, and reptiles since 1970. That's within the lifetime of most of us. The warning that the annihilation of wildlife is now an emergency that threatens civilization. This is the very creation that God brought about. I highlight this because we're dealing with a very animal kingdom in these verses. And ultimately, as Christian disciples, it matters to us. Why? Why? Because, as the psalmist says, the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. So, come on then. Let's get to day four. You're wondering why I'm not there already. Let there be light. comes earlier in the chapter. But here, the lights are identified. The greater light... To rule over the day and the lesser light to rule over the moon. Pity about that sycamore tree. Moreover, the lights signify time and distinguish days, seasons, and years from one another, giving us a pattern for living and resting. Now, the sheer scale of all of this is absolutely massive. So how do we, how do we just begin to wonder what it's like? Well, I, I've, I've thought of a way, and I need two people to help me, two people to help me. One needs to be fairly tall, the other it doesn't matter. You can both be tall if you like, but uh, I need two people to help me. Have I got two volunteers? A tall person and a, another person. Good. Are you a tall person? You are, indeed, you are. Yes, quite. Okay, and another person, please. Yes, come on. Right. If you, if you just stand there, sir, your name is? Andrew. Andrew. Andrew, you're a S- Sterling. That's wonderful. And, and here we are. Sarah. Sarah, you're wonderful, too. Uh, here you are. Sarah, I'm going to give you something that's very Precious. You mustn't lose it or damage it. Right? You, you can take it? Mm-hmm. Hold it up. Can you all see it? Come on. <laughs> uh, there you are. It's very small in this scale, isn't it? Now then. Andrew, I've got something for you too. Here. Right, yes, good, good, very good. Now, Sh- Sheila? Sarah. Sarah. Sarah, would you mind going to the, the back? If you yeah. go down the aisle, yeah, yeah. do you mind? Don't lose it, it's very precious. Okay, Andrew, I need you to come. Excuse me while I move the vegetation, Oh. Uh, okay, I need you to come. Do you mind getting into the Baptist school? Are you all right in there? Are are you baptized already? (laughs) Oh, good. Okay. So hold it up. Hold it up. Higher. Okay, that's fine. Now, Sarah? No, right at the back. Right at the back, yeah. Move the chairs. That's right. Okay, okay. Now, I came earlier in the week, and if the sun were a football 22 centimetres. The Earth would be a peppercorn 23 metres away. Sun? The Sun is beaming. Beaming. <laughs> and the Earth is all over <laughs> there. And if this scale were... were a, a Neptune would be somewhere just beyond Hairstock Road, and all the others in between. Ladies and gentlemen, the sun, the earth. (laughs) Oh! If the earth were a football, it is it, it, Andrew. Thank you. Now, you can... It's very precious, isn't it? you better give it me back, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Thank you so much, I'll be careful with it. I've got a special saucer here, a primitive Methodist saucer. Uh, uh, if the earth were football, the sun would be a hundred feet high, and it would be, let's see, where do you know? It would be somewhere like Cobbs to the north, You all know that. Uh, Or Compton, nearly at Compton Lock, uh, to the south. Amazing scale. Excuse me. Now, I mean, why why let primary schools have all the fun? (laughs) What's interesting in this text, and we don't readily see it, is that this text, at this point, is highly controversial, it's shocking. When it was read to the first hearers, why? Imagine the shock of the people in Haran. You remember that Abram, before it was Abraham, Abram loitered there for a number of years up the valley of the Euphrates. In Haran, they worshiped the moon now they find it's just a lamp to rule the night. Or down in Egypt, where they worship the, the Ra, their sun god, and chief god, and were in fact merely a light to rule the day. So this text at this point is a protest against idolatry. Deifying the creation is not what Genesis is about. It's intended to bring a sense of awe that God can bring all of this into being. The whole cosmos is not only there, but precious because God brought it into being. So you can hug a tree, but don't worship it, right? And then we get to day five. The once empty seas and skies are suddenly alive with swimming creatures and flying creatures, including sea monsters. That's what it says in the NRSV, which is what I've got here, but slightly different in the NIV. The waters participate in the production of life. And something new happens on this day. For God declares reproduction itself as a blessing because he commands, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters of the sea and let the birds multiply upon the earth so that biological reproduction is acknowledged as joyful participation in divine creativity. And then on day six, like the third day, this involves two creative acts. You might say, one before coffee and one after. God commands the earth to bring forth living creatures, cattle, creeping things, and wild animals of every kind. As Sue was indicating in, the, uh, in, in, the, in what she said, we do not yet get to dominion at this point. That comes in the next chapter. But let's say here that the resources of the earth, the vegetation, the sea, the land creatures, did not come into being by divine action to be abused or exploited or as the plaything of humankind. God brings vegetation and animals into being to create a beneficial cycle of food a mutual sustainability. Not so that global corporations or criminal syndicates can reap profit for trading in wild animals or deforestation or land grabbing or displacement of people and animals. Or for the overconsumption by a minority, which leads to the detriment of the majority of people in the world. God brings all things into being to ensure that there is enough for all, for everyone, forever. Well, what happens later in day 6 we'll leave to next week. That's where the trouble really begins. Let's reflect then on the immensity of all that is. Cosmologists, many of them Christians, assure us that the sun is just one of perhaps 100 billion or more stars in our galactic home. And that our galaxy is just one of potentially 200 billion in the observable universe alone. How small we are. When we think of that, the Hubble and the Webb telescopes reveal how beautiful, how how intricate, and how integrated it all is. But also, curiously, how fragile, and though we feel small and maybe insignificant, we can affect it negatively or even disastrously. That comes to a challenge to our lifestyles. There is the tricky question uh, that I'm not... Would, I'd like to say I don't have time to deal with today. The tricky question of nature red in tooth and claw both in the sea and the land, so that the skull of a colossal sea monster has been extracted recently from the cliffs of the Dorset's Jurassic Coast. You must have seen something about it. It's not a cuddly animal. It belongs to a pliosaur. A ferocious marine reptile that terrorized, we're told, terrorized the oceans about 150 million years ago. Or on land, Tyrannosaurus rex. Now, I have to say, I have four grandchildren, and all of them have T Rex as a cuddly toy. Uh, You know, which is an interesting kind of way of dealing with it, but I'm not sure that really it was very cuddly at the time. So, thankfully, we have the book by John Lennox, or you have access to it. And in chapter four, he explores this issue, and you have opportunity to share questions in your groups, and as Simon said in the first week, if you've got any questions you can't really can't answer, then uh, report to Brian. <laughs> so let me, let me take you to finally, to a meditation. In the beginning, God. in the beginning, God brought light and life into being, a majestic, mysterious cosmos, the stars in their splendor and the world in its wonder. You place us, O God, to care for your awesome creation, to bring justice and peace for all things. Come. Come to us, light of the world, equip and empower us to be light of truth and grace among all that you have made. Amen.